What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Mets Talk. This is episode eight. Is it eight? No. Yes, yes, no. yes. It is. It's episode eight. You don't know. Check the notes. Episode eight. Wow. Move that mic closer. I cannot hear you. What? Yeah. Turn, this is episode eight. Turn me up. This is going to be an interesting one because we. <laughs> uh, Go on. <laughs> we are going to be not talking about as much of a broad topic and more so hitting some quick news and then working through this list from top speed and this list breaks down 10 uncomfortable truths about owning an electric car both yeah, of us have I, f- I feel like we've had questions like this from from family from friends mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff about what it's actually like in real world. And, and I don't think this list does as great of a job of talking about like day-to-day things. So maybe we can hit on that a little bit from an actual owner's perspective, but just kind of hitting on what it's actually like day in and day out right. to own an electric Cause car. I mean, if you're, if you're thinking about picking something up or if you have gotten these questions and don't know how to answer them. Yeah. Yeah. This could be helpful for you. So first thing I've got here on the notes is the 2024 Hyundai Sonata. It got pretty much a complete redesign. Um, they're calling it a facelift. I hate when people say facelift. It looks completely different on the outside. It so does. You got to call it a redesign. I really like it. I mean, I've, I've liked Hyundai's designs, obviously. I but mean, anything that Hyundai makes is yeah. super sexy. Whoever they 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 picked up all the good designers. I don't know who they had to. They really poach, did. but they took somebody. But they uh, they're calling it a facelift for 2024 with a distinctive, expressive new front end and a revised powertrain lineup. So the turbocharged 1.6 liter is no longer available and the base 2.5 liter four cylinder is now being able to be paired with all wheel drive, which is a first for the Sonata. The cabin was also upgraded with a standard 12.3 inch screen, a clean new design and lots of straight lines. I was gonna say, we are we are moving out of the era of curves on curves. And I think some... we can see that very clearly with the Santa Fe that we actually didn't talk about the Santa Fe on this uh, podcast at all, but that thing have you seen it the big maybe um let's get my live reaction yeah oh yeah yeah it looks like a like a land rover yeah yeah exactly but look at the front end it's like got literal rectangles on it i love it we hit a little bit on this last week when we talked about that new texas um ev tax basically but this uh hits a little bit closer to home this is from our local uh wdrb news kentucky's new ev electricity tax seen as barrier to public chargers businesses that have installed publicly available ev chargers will have to quantify the amount of electricity dispensed from the charger and pay a monthly usage tax to the state yeah and it's it's so weird because one of the people who sort of pushed this law uh let's see state senator jimmy higdon said the goal was to capture revenue for state road funding from ev pass ev drivers passing through kentucky and Okay, that's that's fair in in kind of the abstract. Like like we talked about with Texas, like you need some way if EV drivers aren't paying a gas tax, right. how do you continue to fund state roads? If you are charging the people who install the chargers, the businesses who do it, all you're going to do is encourage fewer people to install chargers. Right. Especially free chargers. The idea behind a free charger is you put it in and then people come to your business, but yeah. now you have to install all this infrastructure to track how much charging the free charger is doing and in addition to that cost, just have to pay out for it yeah. apart from the electricity, which was almost negligible. And these chargers aren't the 
chargers that people passing through the state are going to be using because right. these are slow. These they're, are they're like, level twos. Yeah. Yeah. These are like, Oh, come stay and visit and hang out and charge your car. Yeah. Yeah. These aren't fast chargers. No, I actually think this ties in really well with, with our list that we're going to be talking about. So let's, let's hold on that until we get to the, the list. But finally, I wanted to talk quickly about this GTI, this ID GTI concept that got announced. This thing is nice. It's again, just a concept right now, but I think of all the concept vehicles we've seen from these big brands, these you know institutional brands or whatever, I feel like Volkswagen's done the best at putting out relatively similar production right. models to their concepts. And this is a this is a pretty grounded looking concept. Too. Yes. This it, is they are using elements of their interiors that they've already used, they have the parts for. It's just, hey, this brand that you love, the GTI, we're going to make it electric. So that's cool. The the ID GTI, we'll look forward to potentially seeing that when we're um, in our 40s. So uh, <laughs> um, let's go ahead and move to this list. So again, this is from Top Speed. And this is titled 10 Uncomfortable Truths About Owning an Electric Car. So I think what we do is we just work our way through the list, talk about kind of where there's validity to these concerns and where there's not, and then just a little brief bit on our personal experience yeah. in these specific categories, if you have them. Number 10 on this list is simply titled, Range Anxiety is a Problem. What say you? Uh, Yeah, I get this. I get this. I mean, especially first starting out, like that's all you can think about yeah. is like, it's not as simple as if I run out of juice, you know, walk to the gas station right. and, and fill Definitely, up a jerry yeah, can or whatever. But at the same time, the it's a different, like, you have to think about it in a different way. Like, you, you don't think about running your electric car once you start to own it for a while. You don't think about it running in the same way that you do a gas car. Like, you aren't ever, I mean, unless you're doing a, wrong, a long trip, and that's a component of this, but you aren't ever really thinking, like, Oh, I got to fill up tomorrow. It's you just do it immediately. There's no like potential for getting low and forgetting to charge or whatever and running out. Like that's that's never anything that has come close to happening. So the real problem is going to be long distance stuff. And maybe that's what they mean by yeah. that. But in any sort of long distance situation, you know exactly. Like you're not going out for a long distance drive of 200 200 miles. Yeah you know the destination and you can plot out okay where can i hit in between here and there yeah and it just yeah it takes a little bit of extra planning for sure um i think the the issues are kind of it kind of makes me laugh because like if you run out of gas on a trip in the middle of the highway your car's going to die in the middle of the highway just like it's going to die in the middle of the highway if you're in an ev right, right. The, the the situation isn't going to be any different and you're going to have to call a tow truck and they're going to have to come and typically give you gas what they can do and what a lot of these tow trucks have now is they have a little portable charger thing that you can plug in and get 10 15 miles of range right quickly in this little little charging pack it's almost like a little um well it's little like a jump box well uh, oh yeah (laughs) yeah defibrillator it's like kind of that for your car yeah so they have these now and you can buy them for yourself if Hmm. you wanted a little bit of extra security right um but you're right. You just can you just put like ten extra brain cells towards like planning out 
hey, I need to stop a little bit earlier than I maybe were right. before. And then you're fine. And the, the, the car still works in a predictable way. Yeah. Like, you know, okay, about where I'm going to run a gas. Cars have been giving us mileage estimates. Yeah for the last 20 years and it's going to adapt based on how you're driving right so if you're driving yeah so if the worst case scenario uh uh-oh i'm going to run out too soon you pull off the highway or you just sit in the far right lane and you go 40 miles an hour or whatever slow it down a little bit just be smarter yeah and again we're just getting more and more and more range so this is going to become less and less of an issue exactly Um, and the faster faster charging which we'll get to in a second is going to help with that a lot um and I actually had, this is funny, I've owned my Bolt since 2021, and I have never once fast charged it. Never. Because I've never had a reason to. Yeah. I've never left, never needed to, even if I've traveled like an hour plus away, I've never needed to stop somewhere and charge it. Because right. it just makes it there and it makes it back. You know, you got 200 and something miles of range. Yeah. Not to say, I mean, there are people whose either daily commutes are that long. Sure. I mean, if you live in a particularly rural area and you've got to go back and forth to work, there are some people who do that. But even then, I mean, you are going back and forth from work. You're getting home, hopefully. Yeah. And boom, you've got enough time to plug in and charge overnight. And in the morning, you're back up where you were. Right. If you are making, you know, monthly trips or, you know, vacation or whatever and going five, six, eight hundred miles or whatever... That's a trip that you would normally have planned out anyway. You're yeah. going to know, you know, oh, we need to get to Florida. This is the route that we take. Right. The extra step is just figuring out where are we going to stop in between. And there's something to be said for, and we'll talk about this in the next point, charging infrastructure mm-hmm. being there. But that is not a problem that I've encountered to any meaningful degree. Like, okay, maybe I got to wait 20 minutes while this yeah. person finishes up. But. Right. Especially for non-Tesla owners. Yeah. It's a little bit easier because Tesla charging stations, especially on the coastal states, can be a little bit packed. But my point of what I was going to say about never fast charging is I had a buddy of mine who asked me a couple weeks ago if he could borrow my Bolt because he's trying to decide whether he wants to buy a Bolt or a Tesla. Mm-hmm. And he's test driven the Tesla and he wants to uh, test drive a Bolt and just see. And so I was like, yeah, no problem. So this past Sunday, he borrowed my Bolt for the day. And they drove to Nashville and back. And he had it for about 12 hours. Stopped in Bowling Green. Stopped in Bowling Green both times to uh, charge up. Made it to Nashville. Charged up a little bit in Nashville. Back to Bowling Green. Charged up. Back to Louisville. And uh, it didn't... Like their trip was around the same amount of time it would take you if you drove a gas car to Nashville. Yeah. It's just a little bit longer for charging. And if the Bolt was 150 kilowatt fast charging versus 50 right it would be even better that's that's the biggest thing in terms of barrier now is evs for a while were significantly slower to charge up until like a year or two ago and now even with tesla fast charging you're talking about probably two to three times the amount of time you would spend at a gas station and now that is you know on on the end of two yeah and when you're talking about the time being spent at a gas station being five minutes, right? it's a negligible difference. And again, if you can plan it around eating or bathroom breaks or things like that, to yes. where, where you don't just want to just cruise through, fill up with gas and go. Yeah. Like where you want to get out, 
stretch your legs. Well, that's what most people do at a gas station anyway. Exactly. No one's ever at a gas station. So no one, and one person gets out of, get the out of the car. Nobody gets yeah. out. Nobody goes to the bathroom. <laughs> like if you could charge even 120 miles, yeah. you know, and, and like make another. Well, that, that's the other thing too, is a lot of the times that you're making these longer trips, you're not doing back up to a hundred percent. You're saying, oh, I need enough to get me to the next charger. Right. And then that's it. Let's hit on this charging infrastructure thing briefly some of this i get yeah i guess so, so number nine is basically charging sta- station infrastructure is still not enough and that's true my issue with this is not so i think charging infrastructure right now is in terms of numbers good enough to get you anywhere you need to go i mean you can get to a destination charge at that desk assuming you can charge at that destination which is not always a good assumption but electrify america will get you almost anywhere in the country and then once you're there you charge there and you're good to get back the problem is making sure that when you get to those stations that you can charge and it will be a smooth painless process right because sometimes there are issues with the apps i don't it's crazy that we haven't figured this out or things won't take payment or some of the chargers will be out of order and you have to wait or something but Beyond that, in terms of just the numbers, I think you could get just about anywhere. It'll take you, if you have to rely on level two stuff rather than the fastest charging available, it'll take you longer, significantly longer in that case, but you can get there. Yeah. And and I think that your point you made about the, um, just the pure fact that they are, they exist doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to benefit you. Um, I've seen um, a lot of people talk about basically having their lifeline be this one specific charging station and getting there and they're all offline or especially in these more like rural areas where they don't get kind of as much upkeep as some of the other places. Like your your luck may vary, like actually, you know, your experience may vary. And this is not a problem for everybody. This is a problem for specific people who are... Highly reliant on those chargers. Yeah. Or if you are mid-trip and you need that charger to be there. Yeah. And especially yeah, trips. But like how often truly, truly are people traveling? Like I feel like it's not I feel like people make it a bigger deal than it is because yeah, maybe you go on a trip every once in a while, but really the eighty percent of your car ownership is gonna yes. be city driving in your local area. Yeah, and if you are building if you're buying your car strictly for is this gonna be good enough for traveling, then you probably have the means to not worry about it yes that's very true all right let's talk about number eight here higher upfront costs we've definitely hit on this um when we talked about the um blazer ev being you know a, a decent chunk more expensive 10 to twelve thousand more expensive and yeah i would say that's pretty standard right now yeah um so maybe 10 to 15 would be a, a safer range there but it is more expensive to buy an electric version yeah. of a gas vehicle. It just is. And that's not to say, I mean, it will not always be that right. way. It, like it's a supply problem. Yeah. Like you don't have the same infrastructure in place and it's a problem that will scale down as we build up production, which is what's happening right yeah, now. Yeah, we've already seen that. People think that it's like not worth that additional cost. And right. again, as the um, ice and get an electric start to get closer and closer together like people are going to start choosing electric over that yeah because of the 
long-term kind of benefits of choosing that. Like, yeah. like you and I've talked about with, um, I went from paying $240 a month in gas to paying $20 more on my electric bill. Right. Like $220 worth of savings per month. Now that was when gas was really expensive. I don't even know how much gas costs right now. I'm, I, I feel ignorant, <laughs> like illiterate. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it makes a big difference. And honestly, like you could almost pay off a huge chunk of that difference over the ownership, the life, even, even a lease life. Yeah. Yeah. I think looking at some stickers lately, they show like the fuel average fuel savings or whatever. Tesla Uh, factors that into the, the cost on the configurator on the website. The, the Ionic six was something like $5,000 a year saved (laughs) in gas money. I mean, that's insane. That's like, again, this kind of goes back to the means thing. Like if you have the means to, spend 12 to $15,000 more on like a, if you're buying a blazer already. Yeah. And you have to spend 15,000 more to buy a blazer EV. Like you're probably okay. You're probably doing okay. Just make the jump. (laughs) Yeah. Just make the jump. If you don't and you really need something, there are options like in the lower ranges. Yeah. I mean, it's becoming more and more, um, reasonable. That's the thing. If if you are looking to pick up an EV and you like things seem very expensive because you're looking at Teslas or even newer cars, the used car market for EVs right now is not bad at all. I mean, yeah. you can you can do all right with a used Bolt or an older used Tesla and be fine. I think that seamlessly transitions us here to number seven, <laughs> which is the battery degradation problem. Yeah. So let's talk about that when it comes to the used market, because like you said a couple uh, pods ago, the uh, market, because you're looking a lot in the used market, and you said it is absolutely flooded with leafs and bolts. Yep. Um, and I probably would not do a leaf because yeah. they, they're using an older charging plug, the Chatimo, right. and the charge speed on them is abysmal and it's the battery is super small and it's a leaf. Yeah. This kind of says while electric car batteries have improved battery degradation remains a potential, a a potential potential issue issue. over time, a battery's capacity to store and deliver power can decrease resulting in reduced driving range and need for a costly replacement. Um, Blah, blah, blah. They're improving battery technology. They have battery warranties for a certain number of miles and years. Um, And then you, you, there are things that you can do. So this is kind of what I wanted to talk about. For me, I'm leasing my car. Right. So, like, it doesn't really matter to me because I probably will just trade it in. It doesn't really matter to me what my battery percentage gets to by the time I turn it back in because it's someone else's problem after that. Yeah. But for the long-term, you know, effectiveness of my battery, I've only been charging to 80%. Now, some of that was because I got (laughs) restricted to 80%. But the, the thing is, like, I don't ever need more than 80% of my battery. So if I can impact my long-term health of my battery by only charging to 80% every time, then that's fine and I can do that. Even if I was charging to 80%, I think what people need to understand is like, Chevy gives you access, most manufacturers give you access to 100% of the battery, but there's like 20% more. Yeah. So once left you're in reserve for left emergencies, reserve for emergencies or for padding. Yes, for padding, exactly. So over time, when that 100% that you perceive that you're charging to starts to decrease, then that padding starts to bleed back into right. what is accessible to you. So really, your battery has more range and more capacity than what you think it does. So I don't think that 
is going to be it's going to be as big of an issue. I think you could get the same amount of mileage out of an electric vehicle like that that you could get out of a vehicle before you would just need to junk it all together. You know, what I, mean? I don't think there's that much of a discrepancy. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, if if your problem is battery health, then why don't we talk about how long the average component in a yeah. engine lasts? Right. Like alternators or yeah. it, like any number of other things that are gonna go out yeah. and need to also be replaced. And like, yeah, battery replacements can be expensive, but like, so can an engine. And yes. You know, so can any component of a yeah. vehicle. Oh, now I got to do my. Uh, hood gasket. Yeah, like, everything cool. costs money, and not to mention that on electric vehicles, your maintenance cost is basically zero. You know what I mean? Right. Because you, you I, have to get I've new done wheels. literally nothing. Yeah, I, I've done nothing as well. Um, outside of a, I had a couple of warranty things that got fixed, right. like little things here and there, like like some um, sealing around my my trunk and the little handle on my seat that slides it back and forth. I made an entire video about it if you guys are interested on the things that failed for me or broke for me, but all that got fixed with my warranty and neither of us have had battery rep replacements. I'm guessing you're just going to get a software update as well? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's what they switched it to. That's what mine is too. But I still have to get that done because when my buddy, like I mentioned, borrowed my Bolt, I was like, I'll charge it to 100% for you. And I went to try no, and won't. swipe it up and it was like, nope, 80%. And I'm like, oh yeah, I don't have the software update. Yeah. So I'm still stuck at 80%. But battery degradation, understand it is a problem. It's a real thing. But guess what? It's also a problem on your freaking cell phone. <laughs> like yeah. it's a problem everywhere. Number six, yeah. automakers must continue to raise charging speeds. Yep. How's this a problem? And how's this an uncomfortable truth? Like everybody wants this and needs this. This is like a yeah. positive. And it's, and it's a thing that is happening. And yeah. It's not like it's not being addressed. It's happening and it's happening rapidly. Right. Like this We've gone from 50 in the Bolt to 350 in a lot of Hyundais in the span of five years. Yeah, and um, like already the Equinox is projected. I don't think they've released it yet, have they? Uh, I think it's saying up to 150 kilowatt. Oh, which is still not the Equinox. You could do better than that. You but, could do better than it, and some, some do better than that. But also, like, that's three times as fast as the Bolt. Right. Um, the Blazer EV 190. This is Chevy who makes the Bolt going up to these speeds. Like all these other manufacturers, like you said, are way up there. Hyundai's way up there. Tesla's way up there. Like these, like mainstay traditional manufacturers are just going to continue to increase and increase and increase. Right. So like, I really don't think this is like an, maybe a little bit of an issue right now but like not really. And it's already, it's getting better like day by day. Yeah. So like, I wouldn't even think about this. This is a real one. Um, cold weather can affect cars. Yeah. Uh, cold weather. I, actually, that's kind of uh, ironic that I say that because it affects all cars, but it can definitely affect electric cars in a significant way. Right. So for you and I, we've had our bolt through multiple seasons. Um, last, this last year in December, we had a two day span where it was, negative 23 degrees here in louisville kentucky yeah and i got a notification on my car when i tried to uh, get in it during that time period that said something along the lines of like your propul propulsion motor like power has been decreased or something like that it was literally so cold that i couldn't drive above like a certain speed hmm. um so this is a real thing yeah, there. I mean, this is a real thing that people have thought about. I mean, if you look at like some of the most popular or some of the countries where EVs are the most popular, 
you will see the Scandinavian countries up there where you're talking about countries that parts of them extend to the Arctic Circle. Yeah. And yet they're at like, what, 20%, probably higher than that now, EV adoption rate. Really? This isn't a thing people don't contend with on a daily basis and have problem or have solutions for already. You can keep your car plugged in and it'll run the battery conditioners so that the yeah. batteries stay at a good temperature. And Some you of these vehicles have heat pumps. Yeah. Um, the Bolt does not yet. But the biggest thing that we have seen is going to be range reduction. Yeah. And that also, can be substantial. You also get mileage in it with an engine. You get yeah. less miles. So my range, this is approximate, but my range drops from about, because I only charge to 80%. So it drops from about 223 miles of range about in the summer at 80% to like 150-ish. Yeah. I was going to say, mine's probably close to that. It's it's the same about anywhere from 50 to 70 miles difference. Yeah. And Which that's that a is lot. not an insignificant chunk. No, yeah. that is absolutely an issue, and that's something that'll just be factored in as as we continue. I mean, maybe we get better at conditioning battery temperatures or finding battery materials that aren't as affected by temperature. Yeah, but number four, this one is silly. When was this article published? March second of this year. That is, this is ridiculous. There are still not that many electric models. Every manufacturer now has multiple yeah models i mean if you're comparing it to gas models sure but i mean yeah but you also have wait some way, could say more than we need well yes way more than we need and also like you're talking about you know 40 50 year head start right yeah well in some cases i was <laughs> probably closer to like 100 but yeah but i mean like as far as like like fleshed out lineups, plates, sure yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And lineups yeah you know chevy's lineup they have it has solidly existed yeah probably for like 70 years yeah and you've had all of your different levels of each type of vehicle you know you have yeah. all your sizes of sedans all your sizes of you know compacts all your sizes of suvs all your sizes of trucks right and you've had a long time to perfect that and yeah. fine-tune that lineup now the closest thing we have to that is you'd have to cross shop manufacturers. There's yes. no, oh, I really like Chevy, but I don't want something this big or I don't want something as small as the bowl. I want something a little bit bigger. You're going to have to cross shop. You're going to have to look at. Not necessarily. Not at this point. We're getting we're, we're getting, getting there. We're getting pretty close because you might be able to shop in brand now. Yeah. Um, some manufacturers you can't, um, but it's getting more and more like Hyundai can. Yeah. Um, Chevy, soon you'll be able to. Tesla, you can. I mean, Tesla's all ev but volkswagen eventually you can it, it's a lot more flexible than it's ever been and you have just about every price point covered now except for like your low 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 price yeah point. and that that's not a super fleshed out price point for new cars in general number three here is reduced towing capacity um this is something that i'm not super versed in um you don't tow i don't tow uh surprisingly as far as i understand it it is an issue like evs will always make more torque right yeah but if we're talking about being able to tow things for an extended period of time which is a lot of the time what you're going to need to do when you are towing if you're towing for a business application like you're talking about driving to and from a work site which might be far away and isn't going to have the remote sort of charging infrastructure that you might need. If you're talking about towing an RV or a camper or something like that, well, you wouldn't tow an RV, but 
if you're talking about towing a camper, like that's going to be quite a trip and you yeah. might be making more frequent stops at chargers. That is an issue. Yeah. Uh, but that's something that gets resolved with battery size. Most, if not all of the vehicles that are going to be towing things are going to be trucks or very large SUVs, which have a lot more room for yeah. larger batteries. I wouldn't be that surprised if we started to see some of the commonly towed, I don't know what you would call it, uh, materia, like the like your campers or your sort of bigger construction yeah. tools start to implement battery banks into them. Yeah, so you just be super cool. plug it into your tailgate. Or heck, even some kind of third-party solution where you have some kind of battery bank that could yeah. sit between or, or something along those lines, um, which would be hilarious. I'm just picturing like like me carrying around one of those like big battery banks in my pocket to charge my phone, but like on my I, car. I think it would need to be mounted into the thing because they would be so heavy that's true yeah but i mean it could be something that's like on like on wheels or something or 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 some kind of some kind of trailer mechanism that would connect the things together that would have a battery solution built into it i just looked it up briefly because i just have no idea but f-150 lightning max towing capacity ten thousand pounds um ford f-150 normal gas powered 1400 pounds yeah so you've got a you know a four thousand pound difference there and for somebody who's towing construction equipment campers other vehicles other vehicles exactly that could be a real issue it's one of the things i have so little experience in i feel like i'm kind of just talking at my rear end but well yeah i mean like any other issue like it's easy to see these as problems but they're growing pains like none of these are unsolvable problems yeah this is the trend that things are going on so it's a pretty safe assumption that they're going to be solved even if there's always a little bit of a nudge to a gas powered vehicle, the only thing that they can really do is just shrink the gap, yeah. right? And if they can shrink the gap enough to where the um, towing capacities are similar enough, but outside of towing, the pros of the electric version outweigh the you know gas powered version, right? And people are still going to make that switch. They're right. going to sacrifice that tiny bit of towing capacity. Unless they absolutely have to have it, they're going to sacrifice it yeah. for the pros of having an electric vehicle. Yeah. The the thing that I like to do in this situation is kind of reverse the perspectives and say like, okay, if we had been using electric cars from the start and batteries were still the way that they are now, and then we started looking at, okay, maybe we should start doing gas cars. And then you started explaining to somebody all of the things that have to go into a gas car. Like, oh, the engine has all of these moving parts in it and you have to fill it up with this liquid that you get at a gas station. Like it's a tougher sell from the opposite perspective. Yeah. So there's not, you don't see like manufacturers who exclusively produce gas cars suddenly trying everything they can, except Mazda maybe, uh, <laughs> trying everything they can to like make gas cars better so that they can compete. It's just sort of a foregone conclusion that EVs are going to be the dominant sort of vehicle. Mm-hmm. And we just got to do that. Yeah. We got to adapt and figure out the ways to bridge that gap. Number two here. This is one that you and I looked at and both laughed. Um, low sound can be a problem. And what they basically mean by that is they're so quiet that they run, you know, risk of p- hitting pedestrians. Right. Or anything yeah animals pedestrians you name it and they have a youtube link underneath 
of a girl walking out into the street <laughs> and a BMW i3 coming at her. And the cat, the big text on the top says, are electric cars dangerously quiet? Yeah. So if you guys are unfamiliar, electric cars are very quiet when driving, but at low speeds, every manufacturer has some kind of whirring or um, beeping yeah, or some fun noise. Some fun little noise. <laughs> some even have the ability to uh, output like engine noise through yeah. the speaker system. I yeah. forget who does that. B- I think BMW is does a BMW a that. that does it, yeah. which is hilarious that you have like this dead quiet thing and then you have to crank out artificial noise. But like for the Bolt, it makes like this like high pitched whirring it's noise. It's sort of a space noise. Space age whirring noise. And then as you speed up, it kind of goes <laughs> yeah. and kind of, um, but like the ID4, for example, it has a specific idling noise and then it has a different noise when it's hmm. going in reverse that's a little bit more high pitched and loud. So, yeah, I mean, they're like quiet, but like not like unless you're like hard of hearing actually. Right. Like you're going to hear it. Did people make this argument when we started to put like mufflers on cars? Like, oh, don't do mufflers. It makes the car too quiet and people yeah. might get hit. Like, or it, like, or, or like hybrids. Yeah. Like nobody's saying this about hybrids because hybrids at, low speeds make no noise at right. all and then the engine kicks in yeah. at if, a certain if, point if you've ever lived in a neighborhood with somebody's you know they've got their cat cut off and right they're have a, a, a muffler that looks this big or a tailpipe that looks that big and are driving through your neighborhood at 11 o'clock at yeah. night uh i don't know suddenly this becomes less of an issue You're <laughs> every like, car is very man, quiet thank god that thing is loud yeah <laughs> I think it's absolutely ridiculous. But my only like personal thing with this is like I'm wearing headphones most of the time. Um, so if you're like, let's say you're jogging yeah. and you're you've got over the ears on or or, or something like that earbuds in even earbuds, yeah, and with noise canceling anything like that. The noise isn't gonna make a difference. Yeah, it's in not gonna matter place. at that point. If a car's gonna hit you, like like there's almost nothing you can actually do about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, hearing I think it, it's kind of a hearing it makes no difference. You're just gonna hear when it's hitting you. Like, well, that, like there's a reason. I mean, if, if, if we can talk about blind people, and that is a separate issue, but I feel like an element of being blind is learning where crosswalks are and and right. knowing the infrastructure of the place that you're walking around. So unless you are a sighted person who thinks the world kind of revolves around them yeah. and just walking out into the street without looking also, <laughs> like you're going to, you're going to see the car coming. The EVs aren't invisible. Again, at the same time, like they do make noise. Yeah. It's there's still like, road noise. Yeah. And especially if you're in a city situation where you're going at a crosswalk, like you're going at the speeds where you would hear the noise anyway. Yeah. And like, it, again, they make noise. And when, when a car is driving through the wind, it makes noise. Yeah. The tires are tires, coming off yeah. of the road. Everything makes yeah. noise. It's not like they're levitating across yeah. the ground. <laughs> And even then, they'd make wind noise. It's like, it's ridiculous. I get it, but at the same time, I don't. All right, number one, EVs generate some environmental problems. I like how they phrase that. Really non-committal on that. Um, the little blurb says, recycling and disposal of electric car batteries is a significant challenge. Electric car batteries contain several potentially hazardous materials, including heavy metals, toxic chemicals, which can pose a risk to the environment if not properly disposed of. Moreover, right. the process of recycling electric car batteries can be complex and very expensive. However, it's worth noting that many electric car manufacturers are investing in battery recycling technology and working to develop more sustainable and environmentally friendly battery materials, 
which could help overcome some of these challenges. It should be added that lithium in particular is reusable, so part of this problem can be solved with the appropriate investments. Yeah, recycling electronics has always been a problem as long as we've had them. I mean, your batteries, even your alkaline batteries that you get from the grocery store are like, do not throw these away. Like these need to be recycled because it is a heavy metal. And if you're disposing of it in a landfill, that's going to leach out into stuff. And we're already pretty good about, I mean, cars, there's a lot going on in a car. There's a lot there to salvage. There's a lot there to put into something else or to recycle because the body is made out of easily recyclable aluminum. Like there's not a whole lot of waste in that process because there's something there that we can extract value out of. And I don't think EVs are going to be any different. Batteries introduce a new sort of complexity to that, but they still provide power to things. So who's to say that we aren't going to start stripping EV batteries out of old EVs and using them to power homes or to power you know, whatever else. Oh, you need a remote sort of antenna to put up. Here's a recycled EV battery and just drop this into the ground next to it. And there you go. Yeah. Like there's people are going to find a way to use any of these things. I know Apple does this specifically where they disassemble the, the phones in there. They have like robots that disassemble them. I forget the name of the robot that they use, but uh, it's, Ted. Got, it's got a funny name. Daisy. Daisy. I'm sure it's an acronym, but um, it disassembles and takes each piece out individually and is able to, they're able to recycle them in a way that's effective. And um, a lot of these manufacturers are doing a similar type of thing. There's an entire article on car and driver about uh, EV battery recycling and how they ship them off to auto recyclers that have specialist firms that dismantle the packs, break them down to the wires, circuitry, plastics, and cells. And, And like you said, then you can take those cells and use them in different ways to where you're not just checking them right. and, and saying like, have fun, you know, dissolving over the next million years or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I love what you said. Um, when we talked about, uh, grid anxiety with the Texas stuff, now that they are part of our everyday lives, people will develop solutions to the problems. Yeah. People don't just go, Oh, we have a problem now sucks. We're never going to fix it. It's a matter of this is going to become more and more mainstream. So we're going to, create more and more ways to solve the problem. Humanity is all about the hustle. Yeah. If, if there's money to be made yes. or if there's a, if there's an opportunity to be filled, somebody is going to figure out a way to do it. There's so much stuff within these battery packs that is extremely expensive. These metals and, and components and things. There's no way that these companies don't see this as an opportunity. To yeah. Like absorb I mean, people those. already do. We're already like, and I don't know how sort of profitable this is, and maybe it's being put on people whose lives are affected by it, but uh, people are already sort of extracting gold and copper and whatever out of junk electronics so yeah. that let's do this because we've got all of this waste, this e-waste, rather than having to go into a mine somewhere to pick, pull it out. Yeah, If we can take apart old phones from the 80s and pull gold out of the circuit boards there let's uh let's do that as much lack of credit as i want to give humanity sometimes we are an intelligent species (laughs) we can come up with solutions to problems they may take time but as this becomes more and more prevalent and you get to the point where gas vehicles are the minority by any significant amount we will have to have solution to these problems yeah we're not going to sit around surrounded by the corpses of old EVs. Yeah, just like, like, oh, I, I wish we could do anything with these. All right, let's uh, let's hit this as the outro here. Um, yeah. 
we just went through this giant list of uncomfortable truths about owning an electric car. Mm -hmm. What is something in your day-to-day -day experience owning an electric car? What is the uncomfortable, my uncomfortable what is, truth? What is your, your Colin Farmer's uncomfortable truth about owning an electric car? Uh, and you can be critical here. Yeah, 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 of course. Um, I almost want to say range anxiety. Really? At this point. Like, I wouldn't phrase it like that. Like, I've never been... Maybe maybe once or twice I've been anxious, like, am I going to be able to make it home? But that's on me. That's because I cut it short and I was like, I wonder if I can make it home on this. I feel like I can. The mileage lines up, but I haven't given myself enough of a gap. But even then, that's not, that has that doesn't feel like a serious problem. That feels like me not wanting to be patient and wait the extra 20 minutes at a charger. I just want to go now. What about you? I don't know if I'd call it like an uncomfortable truth, but just maybe the thing that I struggle with the most is in trying to like convince people that they can switch. Yeah. Because, you know, people know you have an electric car and so they'll come to you when they're considering it and they'll say, right. I've heard this, I've heard this. And I feel like I'm always on the defensive yeah. when owning an EV, which is kind of an annoying place to be because nobody does that to you when you have a gas vehicle. Right. No one's like, well, you know, that's why a lot did, of, that's a lot of emissions. Yeah. That's a lot of, uh, you know, you know, uh, you're really not... There's a lot of parts in that car. Yeah, there's a lot of what parts that could go wrong. Yeah. Are they recycling those appropriately? Yeah. Like nobody does that with a, yeah. a gas vehicle, even though those are all very legit things that you could be concerned about. But I feel like I'm always on the defensive with owning an EV and you're always trying to like convince people of the benefits and all it takes, and I, I believe this to my core, all it takes is somebody trying it. Yeah. And you just don't want, whenever, when you ever hear people getting an EV and then be like, this isn't for me, I'm going back to a gas car. Right. I'm sure it's happened. Like everything's happened. But I feel like I hear that far, far less often than anything else. Like yeah. I, I, I would hear, you know, I, I, I've never heard that anyone doing that, but trying to convince like my family members, especially ones that I know would benefit so much and it would make such a difference in their lives because they don't travel. Or best case scenario, they have one electric car, one gas car. Right. You drive around the city and do all your errands, do all your day-to-day -day stuff in your electric car. If you really want to travel, you've got a gas-powered car. Yeah. You can do your whole thing. Don't have to worry about it. And at least you're cutting your emissions in half. And at most, you're saving a ton of money on gas. Yeah. I, I mean, know. even even traveling, I feel like... Even traveling, you can do it. But you know yeah, what I mean. I, well, I feel like even if the, the gas money that you save, if you're saving $5,000 a year, you can afford a plane ticket. Yeah. And then you don't have to drive eight hours. You can just be there... Exactly. So that's, I think, one of the biggest like hurdle for me is just being being on the defensive all the time. I, I feel like I'm like propaganda for like electric vehicles. It, it a is. Bit. It does feel like that because you. I mean, a lot of the time you're getting brought sort of third hand information yeah. from people who like don't really know that much about. Don't it. Don't know that much, or like are actively against it for what you know, whatever their own reasons, and yeah. are just sort of spreading misinformation or people who have just heard things and and they say things like. I could just, I could never have an electric vehicle. Yeah. And it's like, well, why? Yeah. Like, actually talk to me about why. Yeah. That's where it comes in handy, like, reversing the perspective. Like, okay, sell me on a gas car. Mm -hmm. And, like, let's have this conversation of, all right, should you get a gas car? Well, here are all the problems that you have to deal with a gas car. And don't just take those problems for granted. Like, apply the same measure of, you know, critical analysis that you're going to do to a gas car, to an EV. and. Yeah weigh it you know truly evenly and then see how it shakes out for you all right guys that was episode eight of Mets talk we uh ran through 
the uncomfortable truths about owning an electric vehicle. Uh, some Turns of which out they only they only looked a little uncomfortable. They yeah, were actually not. They're that actually bad. pretty comfortable. Uh, not that bad. So uh, hope you all enjoyed this. Again, you can interact with the show in three ways. You can email podcast at itsmets.tech. You can text us at 502-509-4384. Or you can follow us on Instagram at Mets Talk Podcast or Threads if you want to. <laughs> send us a DM. I haven't checked Threads, so send us a DM on Instagram. Uh, and we'll be sure to check out your topic idea on the show. Yeah, if, if you have any questions about EV ownership too, I would Definitely. love to, to be able to touch on those. Yeah, that's huge. If you guys have any questions at all about what it's like in the real world, owning an EV, uh, charging, day-to-day stuff, Colin and I have years of experience here, so... <laughs> Were they the best people yeah, to, to talk the to? Authorities. About that. We are the authority on owning EVs because we've had them for two years, three years. So, all right, we'll see you guys in two weeks.